Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. Brian and Bucks, we're both here. We're back in your airwaves with a midweek podcast. How you doing, Brian? Bucks, I got absolutely no work done today, and I'm not mad about it, to be honest. It was a definitely an enjoyable kind of two and a half hour period of ignoring emails and just watching the plethora of goals come in across all the fixtures uh, this afternoon. So can't hate it. We should get your boss as a subscriber and follower to the podcast, but we'll do it after this episode goes live. Uh, Speaking of this episode, we are going to just give you some broadcast notes. This episode is going to go up in two parts. So this is part one that we're recording on Wednesday night following the bulk of the fixtures for game week 14. We are going to try and drop in part two on Thursday night once the game week ends. And that episode, we will include the game week recap, how Brian and my squads did on the FPL scoreline, the manager of the game week for FPL Blues podcast, Super League, as well as our transfer and captaincy selections looking ahead to game week 15. But on this pod, we are going to really focus on the community questions, as well as just discuss what we are looking ahead to for game week 15. Again, we want to make sure that we capture and get a podcast up for each episode, including the midweek ones during this crazy festive fixture time. Yeah, Buck. So tell me about your experience with these matches. Obviously, there were two staggered times, right? So we had matches at 1130 Pacific, and then we had matches at 1215 Pacific, and then we had the delayed match in Chelsea. I did not have enough screens available to me to get all six games up individually. So I had like some micro screens going on on my phone um, having a game on, it was just chaos. So it really is a sign that we're in the festive fixture run and, uh, these midweek points are starting to pile up for us. Yeah. This was a fixture overdose. There were matches happening everywhere. And I think this is one of the real shortcomings of Peacock because there clearly isn't a actual premier league fan involved in scheduling the matches and, oh my and getting this stuff together because there was no goal rush and there's just so many games and Fortunately, there were a lot of FPL and real life goals in this window today on Wednesday, but you couldn't watch them all because you only have a limit of how many devices you can stream on. And then the last match, which is the only one on broadcast television, is the Merseyside Derby, Liverpool traveling to Everton for a local contest. But you know, that one's starting 45 minutes after the other fixture. So it was just a challenging watch, but uh, some good results in real life, maybe some more low scores in the FPL game thus far. Yeah, Bucks. I mean, I can't, we can't call out Peacock because they don't own the TV rights in the situation of when the games are scheduled from the Premier League perspective, but not having goal rush, which is one of the only reasons that I would pay money for a streaming service like theirs is a travesty. I I feel hoodwinked. I feel like they owe me something and uh, I'm going to be looking for a free subscription for the rest of the year until they get their shit sorted. Absolutely. And, you know, that goes without saying that it was a poor fan experience if you're looking to watch all the games at once. But I do think that the way that this TV schedules are lining up a lot of these games, they're not really thinking about what's best for the fan because to have 
four matches going at once, it's just, you're not able to actually focus on any of them because you're trying to capture (laughs) all of them. So I think going forward, I would like to see maybe max three games in a window. And then we could, we could push some games to Thursday. We could push some games to Tuesday and on the weekend, we could do some Friday and Monday bonus fixtures. We love extra footy and to be able to watch one game in isolation is, is often the best experience. So that's, we have that to look forward to actually in game week 15, which is a nice transition. Yeah, Bucks. I, I do think though that the the little dopamine hits that you get from a goal popping up here, a goal popping up there, you're like texting in your group thread, all of the things that are happening at once. It, it is just pure chaos. So uh, I, I mean, I do enjoy a little bit of that, but uh, I agree with you, like three games in one fixture winner one time slot would be ideal and they spread that over the three days right so we have two fixtures tomorrow yet to go and then we had two the day prior so feels like they could balance them out a bit more absolutely and you know chaos is great and we're definitely a chaos theory podcast but i want to be able to see the goals and so when you have me switching streams i'm i'm on the chelsea watford one of course we're chelsea fans so that was the primary one but then i also was flipping to the city Villa match. And then I'm flipping to the Brighton West Ham match. It's like, there's, you're missing moments of the game when you're trying to switch between those uh, experiences. So that was a little frustrating. However, it's worth mentioning that overall, if you were a goal scorer and you like to see goals, then Wednesday was a fabulous day to just be enjoying the action. Cause there was goals from every single team in every single match outside of Burnley at Wolves. So that one ends nil-nil. That was pretty much a snooze fest outside a couple shots from Wolves that hit the crossbar and the post, but there were goals galore everywhere else. Yeah, there were a lot of goals, which meant no clean sheets for basically any defenders today that are owned in FPL. So I think that was a tough one because everyone has kind of switched to this maybe 4-4-2 or kind of 4-5-1 Frankenstein lineup formation where you're big at the back and today was just uh, blanks at the back. I mean, I think I have five points between my premium defenders. Yeah. And just a quick programming note, Brian jinxed me midway uh, through the second half of the West Ham (laughs) Brighton match. I had transferred in Ben Johnson, a budget defender who's been playing for West Ham and getting regular minutes and his opposing wingback Vladimir Sufal uh, lazily tracks back and keeps Lamptey on sides. Brighton get a spectacular goal from Mape, wiping out Ben Johnson's clean sheet. That would have been a huge differential for me. And uh, I was sad to see those points go out the window so quickly. Yeah, it's one of those things where you never load your clean sheet points, those extra four points until the game hits the final you know, expiration. So sorry about that, Bucks. I had a uh, a entertainment purposes uh, wager only for that game to end up in a draw. So uh, that's why I was also kind of giving you a bit of a bit of a riffing. Oh, baby, you won that one at least. So worth shouting out as always, Mo Salah, the ever-present FPL goat. He dazzles. He ends up with a brace and three bonus points for massive 15 FPL points. And if you, like Brian and I, captained him as like most of the FPL game did, you ended up with 30 points. So once again, Mo Salah single-handedly buoys FPL managers point totals for another game week. I think this is the third time he's done the business in such a big way when most of the game is captaining him. Great to see. Yeah. And Bucks, I know last week we talked about 
the potential of possibly captaining somebody like Trent or another player on Liverpool. And we've seen that across, you know, small parts of the community, but this is a perfect example of how risky it is not to captain Salah. And, uh, you know, I was saying before, he's kind of do a brace. He's got three games in a row where he's just picking up assists and comes through with a huge 30 point haul for FPL. And that's uh, at least makes all of our scores look a little bit healthier, you know, before his second goal, we're all kind of in the, like the low thirties. So uh, it's great to uh, see those extra points come in for everyone. Absolutely. And just to confirm what Brian said, we did predict that Mo Salah was in fact due at least a goal. And then we built on top of that and said probably even a brace or a hat trick. So we actually predicted this last podcast. Kudos to us at FPL Blues Podcast, <laughs> looking ahead into the future and being proved correct. And, you know, with this goal, Salah continues his terrific form. He has 13 goals and eight assists. That is the lead leader in both categories. And he's just head, shoulders and mini Afro above the rest of the league at this point in time. Yeah, Bucks, you know how last season we had Kane get the golden boot and the golden assist award uh, this year. That really looks like it's going to be Mo Salah. And I guarantee you that he's going to finish way higher than seventh in the Balloon d'Or, you know, voting next season. Oh, absolutely. That should be his uh, award to lose at this point in time. All right. With that, let's take a quick break and we're going to go to the community questions. We got some great engagement considering we're not even through game week 14. So thank you to our loyal listeners when we're back. Mailbag time, everyone. Thank you again for sending in your questions. We're going to jump right into it. And Corby asks, is Jota a must have immediately? He says he's been pushing out that transfer and he's a little bit worried about Klopp's uh, potential, you know, roulettes and moving him in and out of the lineup. Plus the news with Bobby Chompers, but bucks, I think this is an easy answer for both of us. You have to go out and bring him into your team as soon as possible. He's got four goals in the last three matches and he is just a bargain at 7.7 million. And uh, as some of our other followers on our, one of our text threads was talking about, you know, once Salah and Mane go to African Cup of Nations, he's nailed on as their main attacker and he's, his value is only going to increase. So I think it's a simple answer for me. Yes, he should be your number one transfer in uh, from this point moving forward. Yeah, if you don't have him already, we've been singing his praises for at least the last three podcasts. Uh, he is the priority get this game week once again. And if you look at the top goal scorers, tallies this far this season. Salah, as we mentioned, is the clear number one. He's at 13. Jamie Vardy is on nine. And then next up is Jota at eight. But even more interesting, Sadio Mane is at seven. So the Liverpool kind of three-headed monster is just pouring in goals. And the amazing thing with Liverpool's strategy and their style of play is that those front three guys score the goals and it's not really coming from that many other players in the side i mean the odd goal goes to jordan henderson taa robertson put in a goal every now and again but the most of the goals are going through those big three and as brian mentioned jota is going to be the only one of those big three that's on the side going into january and going into the new year and Bobby Chompers is out injured. Roberto Firmino is at least another week, which means another two game weeks, another two matches away from being even in consideration to play. So Jota is a must add, a must add yesterday. 
Yeah, and Corby, just to let you know, there are six total game weeks before January even comes around, right? So that that's a lot of potential minutes for Jota to be on the pitch for this goal-scoring machine that is Liverpool. So definitely make some moves and try and bring him into your squad. And honestly, I think last week too, Bucks, we were saying you know, he's even worth a hit because he's going to make up these points over that uh, the next you know month or so in the FPL game. And I, uh, I was very fortunate this game week to bring him in for Foden, who got dropped uh, to the bench and did not make an appearance for Manchester City. So that proved to be a good move for me and resulted in positive points. Yeah, I would even echo what Brian just said and say that he's probably worth a hit again this game week going into game week 15. If you don't have him, figure out a way to get him no matter who you're sacrificing. As long as it's not Mo Salah or TAA, pretty much that triple up is essential right now. Yeah, and Liverpool have Wolves um, next game week. That could be a you know pretty frisky, but they should still put up two goals against Wolves. And then they have uh, Villa and Newcastle. So you have to have um, uh, Jota in your side and his uh, his train is only going to pick up speed uh, from here on out. So get on board. Yeah, Liverpool hanging four goals on everybody. It, uh, there's no charity matches as far as Liverpool's concerned. They're pouring the goals on. Yeah, this is one of the, the longest streaks, I think, ever, right? From top flight football with Liverpool scoring over two goals in 17 or 18 consecutive matches. So they, they truly have all cylinders clicking with those three guys up top. And uh, with Robertson and kind of rounding into form a little bit more, he's been more involved in the attack as well. Um, they're, they're just lethal from both sides. And they're, they're, they're passing within um, you know, the opponent's half is just so clinical. And Dynamic, they, they have the yeah. foresight. They have the foresight and the experience. I think that's the big thing, right? They have so much experience playing with one another as well. They know when and who are going to make those runs. And that's so important. Um, leading to FBL points. Absolutely. Next question. And there was a number of our listeners who actually asked similar minded questions. And that really is focusing on the best forward options. We had questions from Alec, from Trevor, and from Corey, who all asked, who are the best forward picks? And just to highlight one of the things Trevor asked, he asks, what to do about Mikel Antonio? He was on fire to start the season, and he's really tailed off. So what do you think, Brian? What's your take here? Let's let's start with let's start with Antonio. So today was a one of those opportunities where you think that Antonio might just get a cheeky little uh, right place, right time goal, and it gets basically five minutes of VAR consideration, and then gets chalked off. And it it, it you know he didn't really do anything. He was just inside, right next to the post, and the ball kind of ricocheted off of a few players and. One of the players was deemed offsides, but that's basically how it's going for Antonio right now. I think he's on five blanks in a row and uh, it's very frustrating owning him. I think taking a look at kind of the top 20 active strikers right now in the last four game weeks, he has a total of five shots. So very weak in the shot department. He's got no goals. You know, it, it's the tough one, but if you have him still, I can't see him being my weakest link at this moment in time. And they have a big fixture turn that's coming up soon. Uh, this upcoming week, they have Chelsea. You might, you could even bench him against Chelsea, which might be tough. But then they have Burnley, Arsenal, Norwich, Southampton, Watford. And I just don't see a lot of other better strikers during that run to bring him in for. With that being said, if you're completely 
you know, sick of him. And I think there are a few forwards that um, people are starting to lose patience with. I think Jimenez has done well, but he's also a player that has a big uh, fixture turn. They have a big fixture turn in the worst where um, they're playing Liverpool, City, Brighton, Chelsea in the next four matches. So it's time to move off of Jimenez. So let's talk about some of the top strikers, uh, especially in the budget region bucks that are delivering. Yeah, just one quick thing on Antonio. If you've kept the faith up till now, I know I jumped off a couple of game weeks ago on my wild card. I was punished initially, but it's proven the right move long term. I would hold. I think the Chelsea match is the last really difficult match that he has for a while, and he's healthy and he's clinical. So he is involved. He's just not getting the ball at his feet to put the ball in the net. He's making the pass before the assist. So I would definitely keep the faith on Antonio if you've held on to him this long and he's driven a lot of value increase in your FPL side. So he's one I would just practice patience with him. And as he's got to go, if he's still on your side, uh, he blanked against Norwich and then he blanked in this match against Burnley. Those are two really top notch fixtures for a striker. So that's very mm-hmm. frustrating looking to the budget options. I mean, I already made my transfer move just to kind of, uh, blow the lead oh. uh, going into wow uh, bucks going into part two but i brought in emmanuel dennis uh who scored against chelsea he looks fantastic and he's creating chances left and right and i really like his price point he's set to price rise tonight on wednesday december 1st and so i brought him in for edward some other options i really like i think vardy has some great fixtures if you have him like i do i would keep him Kane obviously gets Norwich in game week 15. That's a yum, yum, juicy fixture. And then Callum, the truth, Wilson, he scores against Norwich in game week 14. And he has some good fixtures looking ahead. He has Burnley in game week 15, and he's just absolutely in form. He's on penalty kicks and he's a mid-price budget option. So he's someone I would look to bring in as well. Yeah, I'm going to counter that shouts on Callum. I think if you owned him a few game weeks ago, this, that was the time, you know, he does have Burnley coming up and then Leicester who have been shipping goals, but then it's Liverpool city United uh, three after that. So he would be a short term, you know, player, if you're going to bring him in for the next two game weeks, otherwise I would try and look at somebody who, you know, has a little bit longer of a, you know, fixture run. And I think, especially right now, Bucks, we're seeing week over week that our teams are running into a few fires. There are popular assets in the FPL team, um, FPL game that are in our teams that, you know, start to rack up little knocks or rotation. And I don't know if you're going to want to play hokey cokey and just bring a player on for two weeks. You know, I, I really like to look at making a transfer for, you know, bringing for a four week block of time if you can. So just wanted to shout that out. I think some other guys that deserve some attention, Ollie Watkins uh, has, you know, crept up with two goals in his last four matches. He's 7.4 million. Um, you know, Gerard seems to have instilled a, a little bit more stability there. They're playing a lot more defensive, but he's absolutely nailed. And I think with the fixtures turning um, in a couple game weeks, you know, he has, he has a decent run coming up for, for Villa. So that would be a player that I would consider uh, 7.4 million. Again, good price tag. And then, Man, there's some of these these names, Bucks, and I think um, Tyler was asking, you know, who are some of the players who are low owned on crappy teams that are bringing in the points? And you got to shout out the likes of Pookie, uh, Pookie, five point eight 
million nailed on penalties. And he's got 12 shots in his last four matches, which is uh, joints for second out of all the top 20 most engaged forwards. So that's that's pretty impressive. And, um, you know, he had a great goal to level with Newcastle this week. So that was impressive. So he could be somebody that you could bring in. And then another player is Ben Take. I know he's he looks like he's like 40 years old, but he's he's only 30. He didn't start against Leeds, but he came off the bench and he was dynamic. He had an XG of about 0.71 in only 25 minutes of play. And uh, even though Crystal Palace have seen a small dip in their form, I think he can certainly deliver the points. So I think with any of these guys, it's a bit of a mixed bag. So you, you just choose one and, and try and hold them for three or four matches and see how you go. But at least there's nobody that's really truly punishing you. I think that's the biggest thing. Usually there's like a premium that's you have to move to because they keep exact races. We're, we're not in a spot where, and that's again, how I look at, at Antonio. It's like, he's not getting me any points, but nobody else is really getting any points in that slot either. And it hasn't been hurting me because people are a little bit wary to start Josh King or start Dennis versus these top clubs. And they're, they're buried on their benches. So I think, um, you know, forward is a bit tricky, but you can't go wrong with some of these, um, these other options here coming up. Yeah. Benteke is the man that I wish Edward was uh, on my side. I just uh, moved off him. I was so frustrated by how the palace forward played. He really was taking up more winger like positions. And as you mentioned, you know, the second Benteke comes into the game, Palace just looks so much stronger going forward. They were more attacking. He's a backboard. He's a huge body on corners and on crosses. And it just really made an instant impact that sub. He didn't score per se, but you just saw that the whole Crystal Palace team rose up with him coming onto the pitch. And then with Pookie, fun fact, Pookie now has five goals and Pookie is 5.8 million. He's absolutely nailed for Norwich. They are a bottom side, but he has more goals than Romelu Lukaku and Harry Kane combined five versus four. I don't think I'd ever would say that sentence in my entire life, but it is true. And it's going to be true probably for at least the next 12 hours as we lead up to Spurs playing against on Thursday, excuse me. Yeah. So Bucks, I just want to talk to you. So obviously you made an early transfer. Uh, I hope that Mbomo and Tony don't break their legs tomorrow in the match, you know, knock on wood. But um, why did you decide to go with Dennis now instead of King, who I know maybe last pod or two pods ago, we were like, King's probably nailed on pens. He did take and make a pen uh, last week, but now you, you switched to Dennis. What was the rationale there? So Dennis has been my guy. He passes the eye test a thousand percent. He's just a total effort player. He is very counterattacking and Ranieri plays a counterattacking style. I think what Good led me, what led me to go Dennis over King is just, I've actually watched all 180 of the last Watford minutes and what I was impressed by is that looking at the stats and watching the game, he's much more involved than Josh King is. And I think he has the ball at his feet in a lot more important and critical moments. So Josh King, yes, he's on penalty kicks, which is clearly an easy way to get FPL points. However, he's not really involved in anything else until the final service into the box. And I think that's very hit or miss in betting on as my budget option. I think Dennis is cheaper, which is really nice. And I think he's just more engaged game week in, game week out. So 
My confidence is that Dennis is going to get more bonus points when he delivers. And I think he's going to deliver more regularly than Josh King is. Uh, Obviously, Josh King, if he scores once, he might score two or even get a hat trick like we've seen earlier this season. But I think I'm just very impressed by Dennis and the way he's playing and the way he fits into the side, especially without Ismail Saar, who's going to be missing for some time for Watford. Bucks at his price tag, 5.3 million. He's probably going to rise tonight on Wednesday, but he is a great player who is going to be, you know, you can start him against easy fixtures or leave him as your first bench slot. And in the tough fixtures that Watford have, like you said, they play a more counter-attacking style. Maybe he'll pop up with a goal, and that's kind of what happened today against the run of play uh, versus Chelsea. So he's, he's a great option as well. So he's somebody that I'm considering for Huang um, in a few uh, transfer moves here. Yeah, worth mentioning that he is a little bit of a yellow card darling. He loves to kind of get <laughs> after it. But I think that's something that's worth looking overlooking, so to speak, because he is so cheap and he does – have the ball and and he's so creative. So I really think that Watford are going as Dennis goes right now at this point in the season. Bucks, who else um, is on the list here? I know that um, the official Premier League app dropped some knowledge on players who are on yellow cards and before the end of the year could be subject to suspension. So who do we have on this list that we should be uh, keeping an eye on? Yeah, good shout. Uh, There are a number of prominent FPL assets that are one yellow card away from suspension. That means they're on four yellow cards right now. If you get five before the end of 2021, you're going to miss a game. So that includes Jao Cancel. He's on my side. That's one that I'm definitely monitoring. Bruno Fernandez, Gallagher, Callum Wilson, and Luke Shaw are all very popular players and were very popular players. And as Man United round back into form that and have good fixtures, that might be, you know, Luke Shaw and Bruno might be players to earmark, maybe staying away from until they get that fifth yellow card. Additionally, Brownhill, Josh Brownhill on Burnley, he's a popular bench fodder option as kind of your fifth midfield midfielder. He has four yellow cards, Shane Duffy and Joel Veltman, who are popular fifth defender options for Brighton are also on four yellow cards. So all those players, you should just take heed. If you're transferring them in, know what you're getting into that. You could be signing yourself up for a calamitous bench rotation situation where they need to come in, but they're not actually playing. Yeah, for sure. All right, Bucks. Just want to riff one more uh, time about some of the midfielders that have been gaining momentum. I know that Gundogan was a popular uh, pick coming into this game week. He, for some reason, is nowhere to be found in the you know Manchester City match. He's not even named to the bench. And then a few other players. I know we've been talking about James Madison. He picks up a goal today and Max Bonus. So two games of double-digit hauls for him. Again, he's a player that gets hot. So I'm definitely you know, thinking about him for a potential Rafinha replacement in a couple of game weeks, or um, maybe moving a Bomo up to him. So he's another player. And then let's talk about Bernardo Silva. Maybe Silva's the one to own in that midfield instead of Gundogan or Foden. You know, what are your thoughts on some of these players? Yeah, City, they have such good fixtures. It's just hard to find someone reliable outside of Cancelo that you feel confident is going to do it game week in, game week out. This game week, Bernardo Silva delivers... And so does Ruben Dias. So uh, anyone who practiced patience with a double up on city defenders really lucked out 
because uh, Diaz had a great goal. I like. So I mean, I these... think that Bucks. I think I think that was Diaz's first goal from outside the box in his whole career. Might have been. Um, you know, yeah. I, that it, it it's very rare for him to be taking those types of shots, but it was a it was a beauty. So I know uh, one of our mates, Alec. He unfortunately just moved Diaz to Cancelo this game week. And uh, that's a bit of an unfortunate uh, result there because Diaz is not known for his goal scoring. Yeah, City have a couple of audacious uh, long-range goals this season, that's for sure. And Alec, I'm hoping this isn't the case, but if Cancelo gets that fifth yellow card next match, uh, that could end up being a kind of painful uh, transfer move uh, over the short term. But Diaz looked good. I think Cancelo, right now with KDB absent, he is the most important and most critical player for City in their outfield. And Silva, I love him. He's great value. Uh, I'm sticking true. I still think that when Foden comes back, he's first choice. So he'd be the City player that I would want to have. He's slightly more expensive. And then just uh, another name that we haven't really touched on too much this season is Jared Bowen. He looked incredible once again for West Ham. He is really a differential play and he's cheap. And I think he's probably the better option at this point than Ben Rama because he's kind of playing as a second striker alongside Antonio. So I love that as a differential. I'm not going to be able to fit him in right now, but since Saka might have a knock and there are some other concerns in the budget to mid-priced midfield option, uh, I definitely think that Bowen could be a name and a player to target. I don't think you can go wrong if you brought in Bernardo Silva or Gundogan. Uh, both those players are just going to be involved in the attack. And, uh, you know, Bernardo Silva has four goals in his last seven matches, like pretty, pretty impressive. And he's got, you know, three to Amazing. four kind of three to four kind of eight to 10 pointers. And he's again, him and Gundogan are both the same price at 7.3 million, which is great for FPL. And I think if you want to take a, a punt there, if you don't have Foden, it might make sense to, uh, to ride that in. You know, I think Bernardo Silva specifically, he's healthy. You know, I, I think that we've seen Gundogan pick up a few knocks in Champions League. Foden has been in and out of the lineup. So there might be a little bit more stability uh, with uh, Bernardo Silva. But I think you want to have a piece of the city attack. And so one of those three players should be in your thoughts. Yeah, availability is a key ability at this point in the season. And you know, sure. Silva's spot is probably more secure than Gundogan, considering that KDB is reported to at some point be coming back to full fitness and to the starting 11. And Gundogan and KDB kind of play in a very similar deep line, creative uh, role. Silva more of a winger. So, yeah, Silva looks like a great punt right now. And uh, City fixtures line up that that could be Oof. getting in early on a player that's only going to continue to deliver. Yeah, they have some big goal-scoring opportunities coming up. Watford, Wolves, Leeds, Newcastle in the next four. So can't go wrong bringing a a city attacker into your team. All right, we're going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to come back with a Game Week 15 preview of the matches to target, and then we're going to get out of here. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Looking ahead to Game Week 15, Again, there's not a lot of time to breathe between these game weeks, so best to have a short memory and be ready to set your squad going into the weekend. And the most impactful matches from an FPL perspective in game week 15, there are really three of them to my eye. 
Liverpool traveled to Wolves, Man City traveled to Watford, and then on Sunday, Spurs host Norwich. Those are all juicy, delicious, perfectly medium rare cooked matches for FPL points <laughs> to come in big bunches. Any other matches you'll be looking at or players you're targeting, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think the Man United Crystal Palace game, although, you know, some players might have a asset in that match, uh, I think that one could be a, a high scoring affair as well. So um, some great matches for FPL. I think we'll probably be on Captain uh, Salah once again, but IRL, I mean, our team, Chelsea, they play West Ham bright and early, first fixture of the game week. And, um, you know, West Ham, unfortunately, have two losses and a draw in their last three. So they're going to be pretty motivated. They usually roll out the same squad time and time again. So uh, I expect Chelsea to field a pretty strong team here. And hopefully uh, the likes of Reese James will be back in this one as well. Absolutely. Chelsea loved that first fixture on the game week. They've been strong in that so far. So I'm expecting uh, hopefully a happy, happy Brian and Bucks coming out of that very <laughs> early morning fixture. This is I mean, Bucks, do you think? Go ahead. Do you do you think we're going to have Lukaku back up top? I think that's one, you know, player who's slowly been, you know, getting more minutes after injury in Tuchel's side. Do you think he gets a start here, or is he going to come off the bench for another game week? I think they bench him probably one more time. He honestly didn't look so great coming off the bench against Watford. That might just be because he is more of a start out of the blocks kind of player and warms up as the game goes on. Uh, I think it's 50, 50. He, he really didn't look great in Wednesday's match against Watford. Um, I just want to note that game week 15 is a real nut crunching game week for a lot of teams in the premier <laughs> league. There's a lot of teams squaring off that are kind of in desperate need of points. Brentford at Leeds. I mean, that's a really interesting match for the kind of middle bottom of the table. Then there's, there's Brighton at Southampton, Brighton, you know, they've been kind of twiddling along. They haven't really been doing uh, very much with the last couple of opportunities and they've been dropping points in games that they should be getting results from. And then, you know, it goes without saying Burnley Newcastle is a huge match. Newcastle absolutely needs a win at some point this season and they're still searching for it. So I think uh, Newcastle, they really should have done better um, against Norwich. You know, once they went down to 10 men, that was a really tough game for them to get any result from. Oh, man, they, <laughs> that, they that need, was ridiculous. They need a result. That was ridiculous. Then. Yeah. So I, I mean, I feel I feel for them a little bit. <laughs> The defender picks up that red card in the first 10 minutes. What was it? Clark or whatever. Yeah. Just drags down from behind. And, and it's just like, why, what, why, why put yourself and put your team in that position? Like you usually give up two goals as it is. So even if you, if you let that goal in, like your whole identity is attack, attack, attack. And um, I thought they're, you know, very fortunate to get even a draw in that game. Cause like you said before, um, you know, Callum Wilson did get the, the PK, but it was uh, not very well taken and cruel could have easily stopped it. So Newcastle are in dire straits, but uh, still a, a opportunity for, I think Max Cornet to get some more points in FPL. So I would be, um, he'd be kind of a differential to watch going into that game week. Absolutely. 
And worth mentioning, there is bonus football in game week 15. There's a match on Monday. Bonus football. Arsenal go to Everton, and that should be wildly entertaining. That's what we like to see. We like to see single slotted games that we can really focus and dive in deep on. So we'll be back with part two tomorrow, Thursday, December 2nd. Thank you, as always, for listening. Subscribe and follow us on your preferred podcast platform if you haven't already. And we're on social at FPL News Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.